I'll prepare to you for an upcoming recession. I'm going to be reacting to a video that Alex Ramosi just released called the 42 Recession Proof Money Hacks. Let's get into it. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. 42 recession-proof money secrets. And if you don't know who I am, my name is Alex Ramosi. I sold two of my companies last year for 46.2 million and my current portfolio at acquisition.com is over $200 million a year. And I want to take 10 years of money secrets that worked in both boom. I get so jacked when I watch these videos. And bust economies so that you can save the decade and apply them today. Number one, he who gives the money has the power. So a lot of times poor people, they're always trying to get money, always trying to get money. The person who gives the money is the one who's in control. Like if you think about the biggest institutions in the world, where are they? Banks. What do they do all day? They give money. When you give someone money, you get to dictate the terms. You actually now own them. Number two. I call this the golden rule. Those who have the gold make the rules. Actually, I have a whole chapter in my book on the five areas that banks make money, and it's all based on the golden rule. Never trade reputation for money yep. because you can get money back, but you can't get reputation back. If you think about reputation as something that compounds over time, the longer you have it, the more you build it, the more it compounds unto itself. It is your brand, which allows you to do more deals, do bigger deals, do them faster. The moment you lose the rep because you traded it for money in the short, you cut the compounding. And that's where all of the gains in life come from. Number three, money loves speed. Wealth loves time. Poverty loves indecision. Mm. Micro, money loves speed. You want to move quickly, respond fast to customers, follow up with your leads, etc. But when you think about building wealth, it's not about transacting. It's about letting that compounding happen. And that takes time and it takes not interrupting it. Most people mm. never achieve either of those things because they sit in indecision. Four, we can always make more money than yep. we need. This is a belief that has served my wife and I really, really well. We look back on our lives and we've never not been able to eat, not had shelter, and we've continued to increase our skill set. A lot of times we have this desire or you know, our animal brain wants to make us make decisions out of scarcity, out of fear. We don't need any of the money that's coming because we have always had enough. I think perspective and abundance are two words that come out of that principle. Fortunes are made by taking a lot of risk with a little bit of money, and fortunes are maintained by taking a little bit of risk with a lot of money. Somebody who's self-made had nothing, and so they risked everything in order to make it big. But the thing is, is when you have nothing, you're not risking a lot. You have nothing to lose, which makes you dangerous, which is one of the biggest advantages of having nothing. But if you continue to do that when you do have something to lose, you can lose your fortune, and so you have to change the behavior once you have the castle, once you have the empire. I see a lot of people making mistakes here. The people that are self-made, they almost don't shift the rules. And as a result, they sometimes lose a big chunk of their money because they never shifted their brain. Six, money flows where attention goes. If you yep. spend time thinking about fashion all day, your attention's going towards buying clothes. If you think about cars all day, it's going towards your car. If you're thinking about your business all day, it should be going towards your business. Pick one thing, go all in. Because you only have so much juju. Think about it like a magnifying glass. And you're the sun in this instant. And you've got to burn a hole to get through to the next level. If you're spread across too thin of an area, you never get enough concentrated heat. Most people have the potential, but they don't have the focus, which is why they can never break through. So Are you thinking about asset-based activities or liability-based activities? In other words, is money coming to you because of your thinking and where you're putting your time, or is it leaving you? I love football, but I got rid of fantasy football years ago because it took too much attention away from what was really important to me. Seven, your home life and your business life have to be aligned yep. money-wise. So you can't try to grow a business and like reinvest everything here while you're living a super lavish lifestyle trying to flex. Like it has to be aligned. All of our business rules around money are also our home rules around money. And so 
So if we don't live with any debt within our personal lives, we do the same thing within our business lives. Eight. The elephant in the room is if you're not married or partnered with someone that is aligned with your values, it will be a ton of friction, not just now, but in the future. Ignore money advice from poor people. This may sound ridiculous, but let me say it differently. Ignore money advice from your dad or mom who are poorer than you wanna be, yeah. from your good friends who are poorer than you wanna be, from people who have smaller dreams for your life than you do. The reason that rich people can lose everything and then recreate it is because they see reality more accurately. The reason people can't make money is because they don't see reality the way it actually is. Most of life is trying to pull these rocks out of our vision so that we can see more clearly. Not I once heard it from a mentor of mine that said, Caleb, don't take advice from people that you wouldn't want to trade places with on the advice that they're giving you. I think it's something interesting to think about. It's always easier to buy than to sell. You wanna get into a stock, you wanna get into something, you can buy it instantly. You wanna get into a real estate deal, you wanna get into a business. You have to be extra careful. You wanna put all the slow on the buy and you wanna put all the lubricant on the sell. 10, money is fickle. Money is jealous. It sticks and goes to the person who pays it the most attention. Money comes into the system, but there are these grooves in the ground where it all eventually flows up to the few people who pay it the most attention. Someone gets paid, they go buy their groceries, the grocery person has to go buy for the supplier, supplier buys it from whatever, but the person who has the access is the one who pays it the most attention, is the one who it sticks to at the end. Yeah. 11, we stay poor until we've learned all the lessons that poverty has to teach. People mm. stay in poverty, but they're not trying to pay attention to like what lessons do I need to be learning that I'm not? Actually taking action, learning how to save money at a basic level, personal finance. What's up guys, it's Graham here. These are the lessons that we have to learn in poverty to get out of poverty. And until you do that, you don't beat the level. I just wanna say that's the deepest thing that he said so far in this video. Level. 12, frugality drives innovation. Even when you have money, one of the best things to do in my opinion is constrain your resources, yes. constrain time. It'll force you to think creatively to solve problems without using money as the solution. And if you have constraints right now, now on time and or money. Don't see it as a disadvantage because yes. it's what people who do have money try to get into to solve problems. And the only thing that's at the disadvantage is thinking it is. And going back to the self-made man, oh, that's huge. Put constraints, um, Jeff Bezos, a core value of Amazon is frugality, do more with less. Amazon's one of the most successful businesses out there and it's still a core value. It should probably be a core value of ours as well. 13, think once before investing, think twice before spending. Mm -hmm. Investing is something that you're putting money into that is going to give you a return of some kind. It's either going to give you a skill that's going to increase your earning capacity or it's gonna be something that's going to quite literally give you a return in terms of it's gonna be yield or worth more in the future. Spending is something that's going to never be worth more in the future and it's gonna be consumed. I disagree with Alex on this. I obviously think twice before spending, but I see too many people that are investing and they just think everything compounds. A lot of people are investing in things not even gonna be around in 10 years. Money flows to the person who needs it the least. The rich get richer because they don't need it. And because they don't need it, they have leverage. You have to sell not from your own wallet, but from the person in front of you. Come to the table with our other options. It's the person who needs nothing who's the person who has the most power, and that's where the money will go. 15, we make money, our money does not make us. You start tying your self-worth to your net worth. Then your net worth itself becomes a liability to your own self-esteem. It is my ability to make money which is what creates my value, not the money itself, because the money itself can be taken. My family was in the Iranian revolution and everything they had was taken. All it takes is one government saying, oh, all that land, all those cars, all those homes, those are ours now. And that's it. And so a lot of people have this idea of legacy and permanence that's just an illusion, which is why.
by we make our money, our money doesn't make us. Six I like to say that you are your greatest asset. Never forget that. A lot of people diversify their ability to have an impact. And I also think if your identity is in money or even how it's made, this is where I disagree with Alex, you're never going to be happy. It's got to be in something deeper. It may be an amazing opportunity, but not our amazing really opportunity. One. one of the things that I needed early on was permission to not do things. Because in the beginning, you don't know how to do anything. Your analysis paralysis and you just get scared. And you're... once you get over that, the problem is that your yes muscle becomes too flexed. You start saying yes to everything. We should do this thing and we should do this thing together. You say, dude, I think it's an amazing opportunity. I just don't think it's my amazing opportunity. And it's gotten me out of so many situations that I know long-term wouldn't have been good for me. So this one I need to take to heart. And someone once told me, a no is freeing you up to say yes to the right thing. 17, we control the money flow wherever possible. People who have a lot of control, payment processors. Everybody thinks they're amazing until the day you can't process money. And so the idea is the further upstream you can go, the more leverage and control you have over the money. Banks get the money and then they give it back later. The person who's furthest upstream the money has the most power over it. 18, hence the and asset. You know, always have a no fund. Me knowing that I can take whatever risk I want and I am still protected and everything that I have for the rest of my life is taken care of gives me a lot of peace, which allows me to be more aggressive, be more offensive. As soon as you can, have your fund, whether it's three months, whether it's six months, start putting that away, that nut, so that you can go more on the offensive. I actually agree. I would use a different word than he uses, but yes, emergency fund, have a solid foundation so that you don't have to worry, so that you can take bigger risk and swing for the fences. 19, the biggest eroder of wealth is ignorance. Not mm. knowing how to make a million dollars is costing you whatever you make every year minus a million dollars. And so if you make 50 grand a year, it costs you $950,000 a year to not know how to make a million dollars, which is why I put so much money into paying down this invisible hand that's been suppressing my income my whole life and yours too. 20, you get paid for the value you create times your ability to negotiate divided by how hard you are to replace. If you provide something that's very valuable and you're very good at negotiating, but somebody else can provide the exact same thing as you for a tenth of the price, you still don't have that good of a negotiating position. Making money is capturing a percentage of the value that you create for other that's people. 21, good. mistakes love a rush decision. I've trained myself now enough that like when I feel FOMO, I pause. FOMO means slow go. <laughs> mistakes love a rush decision. And so it's just one of those Again. easy beliefs that has slowed me down and has saved me so much money. If anyone's ever trying to rush you into a decision, especially around money, hit the brakes, that's usually a red flag. Me too. Leverage comes from not needing the other person. Yep. And more specifically, salespeople, listen to this. Leverage comes from needing nothing. You can't control somebody who needs nothing, right? someone needs nothing, you have no influence over them. How do I become that person? The monks do it by relinquishing everything and needing nothing. And the rich man does it by satisfying all of his needs and not needing the, other, the deal on the other side of the table. In both of those situations, you create leverage. This is why an emergency fund is so, so key because if you don't need to make that sale, if you don't need to like make this one thing happen, you're actually going to attract a lot more money and people and influence because people can sense that. 23, markets take longer to adjust than you expect and then they move faster than you can imagine. The big short, if you saw that movie, the guy was shorting for like four years and he's like, the math doesn't make sense. The bubble kept going, bubble kept going, bubble kept going. And then it happened faster than people imagined. We have to be comfortable with the fact that we might have to sit in discomfort for an extended period of time before what we believe to be reality is reflected. 
24, money is a game treated as such. You can't win the game if you don't know you're playing one. The wealthiest people in the world see money as a game. They don't even use money to satisfy material needs because they already have it. How can I adopt that perspective earlier on in my career? Thinking about things in terms of personal bests, bank account PRs, what gets measured gets improved. You can get someone to lose weight just by simply getting them to weigh themselves every day without giving them any advice at all. So if you pay attention to it, it will start sticking to you. If you think about it like a game, you become less emotional and so many people are tied up into the emotional status. And so hence why money's taboo and we're not teaching this and we're not passing it on to our children. If you think about it as a game, we would pass it on to our children. We would talk about it a lot more. The other thing that I want to say is I love when he talks about when you measure it, it can be improved. Sleep is a good example. I track my sleep and just by tracking my sleep, I'm becoming way more aware and sleeping better because now my mind is actually it tracking something that I deem important to my life. 25, don't bet the empire for a pot of gold. Even though you might have this opportunity here, it's never worth risking the whole pie. And I can't tell you the amount of times where I'm like, man, if I went all in on this thing, money-wise. So the thing is that you can go all in on your attention, but I wouldn't go all in on your money. A good question I got from Keith Cunningham is, what's the upside, what's the downside? Can you live with the downside? If the answer is no, don't do the deal. 26, always do a starter deal with new faces. So this is a hard one. One of your friends comes to you and it's like, dude, I wanna do this Airbnb thing, or hey, I've got this, do a starter deal first. You gotta see how these people are. Everything should still look great on paper. Everything should still make sense. They should still be amazing characters, et cetera. You still mitigate your risk by saying, first deal I'm gonna do with you is a small deal. 27, trust is worth more than a bigger return. Trust lubricates deal velocity, trust compounds. You don't wanna take all the meat on the bone because you wanna have a long-term relationship. When I talk to partners, when I talk to business owners, how they talk about the people that they do business with tells you a lot about them and how they do business. When I talk to somebody and I'm like, hey, why didn't you do this? They're like, hey, these guys have been good to us for a very long time. We've had a very good relationship for 10 years. That is something I respect a lot. And that is what people who have money act like. Poor people always trying to one over everyone over and over again, and they never get any trust from anybody, which means they have no compounding relationships. 20 Credibility creates leverage. Yeah, money is not a zero sum game. The older I've gotten, the more I'm like, how can I get onto their side of the table yeah. and both make money together? Why don't we both take a big piece of this upside rather than slice up a pie that's in front of us? What I love about Dan Sullivan is he talks about collaboration being greater than competition. If you're ever getting into an industry to compete, you're probably going to fail. And the other thing that to always be thinking about is how can one plus one equal more than two? If you can figure out a way to have one plus one equal more than two, you'll you'll win whether it's investing your time or money. 29, never take a standard deal. There's always a better one. There's always a better deal. And a lot of times you just have to ask for it. Hey, this term and this term and this term are things that are concerning to me. Is there anything we can do about these? Remember earlier, leverage comes from not needing the deal. You have to be willing to walk away. And I can't tell you the amount of times that I've walked away from a deal and the person comes back after saying, well, I can't do a deal. And I'm like, cool, no worries. And they come back three or four days later and they're like, all right, man, I'll do the deal. And then I might be like, hey, well, the terms of change. You know, I'm kidding. 30, expect low risk, amazing returns. Yep. The wealthiest friends that I have who are billionaire plus, they're just not interested in 10, 20% returns. They're looking for 50% plus annualized returns. Most people expect 10% because that's what the S&P does. It doesn't mean that that has to be your personal standard. Thinking through that way has changed how I saw investing in general. I'll also say this is why I wouldn't freak out because of inflation. A lot of people aren't able to say yes to great deals because they don't have liquidity. Their money is in already in deal flow and in volatility and they're saying yes to average 
And as a result, that's an indirect no or direct no to saying yes to something amazing. 31, don't think in IRR, which means internal rate of return. Instead, think in how long will this take to double? How long will this take to triple? It's hard to say this is gonna grow by 25% a year. What is easier to say is this is gonna double in three. Changing how you ask the question changes how you'll find the answer. I agree, but I disagree when it comes to life insurance. When it comes to life insurance, think in IRR. 32, this is a Buffettism, but diversification is a hedge against ignorance. And it's only risky if you don't know what you're doing. There's a million yep. games and all of them make tons of money. And so it's really about taking one game and taking it to its natural conclusion, which is learning every single aspect of that game. Rather than saying, I wanna be in stocks, I wanna be in real estate, I wanna be in crypto, I wanna also have my side hustles, I wanna, like, you can't get good at any of them because you're competing against people who are all in. Cody Sanchez has, uh, in her version of Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Quadrant, she talks about the master allocator. This is exactly what she's talking about. Play one game and play it well. 34, I skipped 33 because I covered it in that last one. <laughs> Returns are in the terms. Everybody who's yeah. watching this, if okay. you make money doing anything that's a side hustle, I'll pay you a billion dollars for your business, but it's on my terms. And I can make that deal every time and not lose money. Understanding the terms of the agreement and how many different ways you can make terms. And the only way you do that is through having the conversations and trying to structure it from learning from other people. 35. Whenever possible, use house money. If you have the opportunity to recoup your principal yeah. and still have money in the game, do that. Yeah. Then you can get super aggressive with the investments and things like that that you're making, but you're doing it on house money. You're doing it with no chance of losing principal. 30 Logically, that doesn't make sense because our money is all in one pot, but emotionally that makes a ton of sense and I agree. Six, always know how to get your money back. You have to know the exact way of doing it, not just like, oh yeah, I can get my money back. It's like, no, but but how yeah. would I do it? Walk me through each of the steps so that I have full understanding of how this would work. If they actually don't mean it, then they won't have a way to do it and you'll be able to sniff something out immediately. 37, cash flow is king, all right? And that's both on a personal level and on a business level. So for you, your cash flow is gonna be dictated by your income minus your expenses. It's really your savings flow. If there's one thing that you get from money rules is that you'd be switching your metric yes. towards what am I saving every month rather than what am I making every month? Thir could not agree more. This is how we approach coaching and talking with people is cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. No one cares about your gross income. It, it matters how much you save and we should measure every decision based around cash flow now and in the future. 38, buy for forever. This is a Warren Buffett and Charlie Mungerism. Charlie says, the money isn't made in the buy or the sell. It's made in the wait. If you could never sell anything you buy when you are buying, you could never get out of it then you buy differently and you buy super long. And then ultimately that's what doesn't interrupt the compounding process and that's what unlocks huge wealth later. 39, you heard me say it earlier, but FOMO means go slow. You feel FOMO, it means slow down. It means take a second, give a breather, put some space between you and the decision. And the only reason you feel FOMO is because your time horizon is too short. 40, if you can't afford to lose the money, then don't use the money. I agree. If you're like, this is my last dollar, then it's probably not a good idea to risk it, right? Which is why we always have the 41, peace of mind can be bought and it can be sold. If there are situations where you're like, man, this is gonna keep me up at night, don't do it. Peace of mind can very much be bought and sold and I can tell you make much better decisions when you've got it. I 100% agree. Got it. 42 and final. A lot of people think about diversification in terms of industry, but they don't think about it in terms of capital stack. A bank, for example, is at the top. It's a preferred creditor. There's a reason a lot of banks don't lose money and it's because they're the first creditors. So you can think about diversification between like stocks, crypto, businesses, whatever. You can also think about it vertically in terms of where am I sitting on the stack? Yes. If you think about those in terms of both types of diversification, when the tide goes out, you're the one who gets your money back first. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.